Happy Friday, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Duck and Quack show. Oh, no, this is the, I know, I know, I see you shaking your head. This is uh, Barry Alexander, and I have with me Harry my partner from Washington, D.C. Yes, uh, Harry, this is outside the beltway of healthcare. So I wanted to apologize, first of all, because uh, to our 18 guests that normally listen to us, 18. No, actually, uh, what are what are we at? Like 982 and a half at this point in time. The half person is throwing me off a little bit. Uh, we're going to introduce our producer, by the way. She's just sitting there in Chicago right now, just shaking her head. But last week we had a few diversions. Uh, and uh, also, Harry, was it uh, was it was it last week that you you decided to come into Washington, D.C.? Did you, do you want to tell us? I was asked, I was, I was asked to come into the office to take a new picture by our marketing person, Lindsay. And I don't understand. My old picture was fine. I don't know why they want this face. This, this, this is like, this new picture is like the don't do drugs face now, right? I mean, why would you want this guy? I don't even have the benefit of doing drugs. I mean, why do you want this guy on the picture? I mean, it, it, it's terrible. Clearly, I know. But, but yeah, I, I, I went in to get a new picture and, and, I, and, ended up, and uh, I ended up uh, side swiping. Just, just a little side note. swiping my pickup truck on the way into the pickup into truck. The you drive a pickup truck in Washington, D.C.? I have a GMC Sierra Denali pickup truck, turbo diesel. I got rid of my Tesla and got that. And I, um, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, I mean, here I, I, I got rid of a Tesla when gas prices, you know, started going up, which, you know, go figure my luck, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's what I'm driving. All right. Well, I've got nothing going on in my life, so it's all, it's all good, Harry. Well, I heard something about ducks. Oh God. Oh, ay ay Okay, so uh, all right. Here's the deal, Harry. We we live on a pond, <clears throat> and my wife decided. God, I love her. She decided that we were going to raise waterfowl to add back to the pond. And uh, uh, I I don't know if any of you have tried this uh, out, but uh, you you order ducklings, and they come in a box. I think we ordered a dozen. And they come from California and we live in Raleigh, North Carolina these days. And, and the postal service calls you and the boxes, and you can't really see this, this box is about 16 by 16 and these little ducks are inside there. So we, we raised them from these small little ducklings in our porch in those 60 to 80 gallon tubs and crates and they kept growing and growing. I think at one point in time, we had eight of them attached together. And finally, uh, we released them to the pond. They're fully sized ducks with the hope that they would fly away. Uh, there's, uh, there's only uh, one problem. They quack at night to be fed. They quack in the morning. You know, Sinead, I'd like to introduce our uh, producer here, Sinead McGuire. Uh, do you mind just introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, Sinead McGuire, I'm actually in the Denver office, Barry, not Chicago. Oh, um, so bad. 
the Rocky Mountains, and oh. it's a pleasure working with Harry and Barry every uh, every week running these podcasts. Oh, oh you should see Shanae her. Different. She's smiling and lying. Sinead, I wanted to know, can we post pictures somehow on the website? Is that even possible? We sure can. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. So I'm getting an, I'm getting a nod here because I, I think we should post Harry's truck and my ducks. I think uh, that's done what and do. done. Sinead, All right. Thank say, you. Thank for you. For the record, Sinead. Sinead, I knew you were in Denver because I care. I just just so you know. Oh. OK. Oh, oh, that hurts, Harry. Hey, before we introduce one of our colleagues today who's going to tell us everything going on with um, vaccine policy and state laws and figure that all out, Harry, uh, I have I have to ask uh, just really two bottom line questions. Uh, do we get an infrastructure bill signed next week or a budget reconciliation bill? Where, where are we right now? Well, it's Groundhog Day right now, and we still don't have any agreement. Um, the senator from Arizona, Kirsten Cinema, and the senator from West Virginia, uh, Joe Manchin, are still holding to their guns and, and holding strong in terms of where they are. Uh, Kirsten Cinema has come out and said basically that she's not in favor of raising corporate tax rates and, and taxes in general. Um, obviously, the environmental and, and Green New Deal um, issues are 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 big issues for, for Senator Joe Manchin um, and, and the state of West Virginia. So um, we're still, we're still, um, you know, uh, in a holding pattern here on this thing and uh, seems to be at a holding pattern for some time to come. Now, there is one thing that I think we need to keep in mind and that's the debt ceiling uh, issue, right? So um, uh, Minority Leader McConnell had made a deal to extend the debt ceiling until December um, and that to me is the ticking time bomb, right? That's like, you know, that, that ticking time bomb that, you know, in the beginning of December, they're going to have to do something, um, because that debt ceiling is set to expire. And, uh, that, that is, you know, the clock is ticking, um, and we're already almost into November. I mean, it's October 22nd now. Um, and I, it doesn't seem like there is an end in sight at the moment. So there's been a lot of talk in D.C. Uh, about the prospects of cutting back the amount of uh, the budget reconciliation, 3.5, maybe to 2.5. Uh, if there's a scale back, since we talk a lot about healthcare policy, do you see expansion of Medicare, dental, uh, optometry? Uh, you see those getting kicked? Or not. These are these issues are all still on the table right now. Um, it's it's a question of how do you pay for it. Uh, so right now, um, you know, I, I think we talked about on an earlier episode some of the some of the budget tricks truck tricks that go on. Right? I mean, you know, in terms of letting the program sunset so that it doesn't cost as much, but once the benefit is there it puts the onerous on a new Congress to have to keep that benefit you, going, wait, right? Are you saying so that there might be never sunsets, even though it's in, in statute? Um, tricks but, in Washington, D.C.? What are you I know, talking right? about? But, but um, these things are all still in play, Barry. I mean, everything everything is still very much on the table. Uh, it's, it's a question of how do you get there and what the price tag is going to be at the end of the day. And um, 
I, I'm hard pressed right now to see something happening next week, uh, but uh, time will tell. Mm. Well, we're going to keep you updated. Uh, it has been just a moving ball and uh, uh, difficult to keep up with. And uh, I'd like to uh, introduce uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Lindsay uh, Ryan. She is a shareholder. She's never done this before. I can, I can, I can see like she's not really sure, Harry, whether she should even be on. So uh, Lindsay, she's a Lindsay's shareholder. A rock, Lindsay's a rock star. You, you need, you need to just come out and say that Lindsay's a rock star. She's out of the LA office, and she, she knows the, these issues inside and out. Yeah. So Harry, uh, we've been talking about this, and Lindsay, just say hello. hello. Don't be shy. Yes. No. Thanks for having me, you guys. Oh. I'm thoroughly entertained already. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, we try. Sometimes, sometimes we we don't do as well as other times, but we give it a I shot. I don't have trucks or ducks to offer to the conversation, but oh, but uh, <laughs> you've got kids running around the house too, and I'm sure they make a little noise as well. Yes, <laughs> uh, Lindsay, what is going on with vaccine policy? Just kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe just start big picture right now in terms of, uh, you know, what you're seeing coming out of the federal government. Yeah, well, as you noted, there were at the state level, we saw a bunch of healthcare vaccine mandates for healthcare workers roll out earlier this year. And now at the federal level, we already have a vaccine mandate that applies to federal contractors. Um, and that has been, um, you know, creating a lot of issues for clients and employers because it's extremely broad. Um, it covers almost any employee that could touch a federal contract. Um, and that's not just employees that are working on actual federal contracts, but even employees that might support those employees that are working on federal contracts, like human resources personnel, billing folks, legal folks. Um, so it's extremely broad in its reach. It also covers remote workers, which typically with these vaccine mandates that we see, they don't touch on remote workers. Um, and it's what we call a hard vaccine mandate. So there is no alternative testing option. You have to have those employees that are covered uh, vaccinated or they can't work on the federal contract. Um, there are the legal exemptions for religious reasons and medical reasons um, but beyond those exceptions, you have to have um, all employees touching those contracts vaccinated. What has not yet come out and what everyone is waiting for right now is the OSHA emergency temporary standard, which will be a vaccine mandate for large employers, any employers with 100 or more employees. And so that's going to impact a lot of businesses and a lot of employees around the country. That was just recently, I believe it was on October 12th, went to the White House, uh, the OMB. And so that is currently under review. We haven't seen the rule yet, but we expect that imminently. Um, and, and that will impact a lot of folks. So you want to say something, Harry, and I, I, can, I can see that you've been, you've been thinking. I've been thinking. It's, been, it's, it's unusual to see you actually think through <laughs> I know. It, it is, but I, I guess I guess my question, Lindsay, is is when you are talking to uh, private employers and uh, and the like, how are they um, how are they reacting to this? How what what are their what are their um, what are some concerns that you're hearing 
right off the bat about how to implement the, these policies, I suppose. Yeah. It's been a mixed bag. For a lot of our employers, and especially healthcare employers, they adopted vaccine mandates early on. And so I think from their perspective, there was kind of a sense of relief when the federal mandate came out because for all of the fear about legal challenges um, targeting their vaccine mandates and pushback from employees, they felt like there was some support um, and position that, you know, on which their vaccine mandate could stand now. Um, but I would say by and large, the, the, the more common response I'm getting is sheer panic, um, in trying to figure out, especially for large employers, how to go about implementing this, um, policy for, you know, large employee populations. And part of the concern, I mentioned a hard mandate before the OSHA ETS that is coming out is will require what we call a soft mandate. Again, oh, well, 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 you used a fancy acronym. You got to go back and say it and explain it. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, it's just, certainly. And, and I will do that. So please do catch me if I throw out an acronym. The OSHA emergency temporary standard that's coming out is the large employer vaccine mandate, which I'll try and refer to as the large employer vaccine mandate. That is the rule that has not come out yet, but we're expecting to come out any day now and which will impact all businesses with 100 or more employees. Unlike the federal contractor mandate, which is what we call a hard mandate where you have to vaccinate, there's no testing option. The large employer vaccine mandate will be a soft mandate. Um, at least the bare minimum requirement will be a soft mandate where all employers will be required to ensure that their employees are either fully vaccinated for COVID-19 or that they're submitting to weekly testing. So there will be two options. Um, and on the one hand, that makes it a little bit easier because a lot of employers are very fearful about uh, staffing shortages, especially in the healthcare industry. If you have large employee populations that don't want to get vaccinated and are opposed to vaccination for a variety of reasons, um, they're going to be put in a position to either you know, think about terminating those individuals or placing them on some type of leave of absence. Um, or they have to worry about employees walking off the job. With a soft mandate, there's a little bit more flexibility because for those employees that don't want to get vaccinated, they can just choose the testing option. But from the employer's perspective, that's a huge administrative burden because now you have to ensure that all of those employees are getting tested weekly, that you're collecting those test results, that you're maintaining them confidentially, that you're figuring out what your obligations are to cover the cost of testing. Um, for the actual cost of the test, but also the time spent for that employee to go and get tested, traveling to the test site, um, having the test administered and traveling back from the test site and whether you have to pay that, the employee's wages during that time. Um, and if you're doing a hard mandate, you have to really be thinking about how do you field all of the accommodation requests that you're going to be getting for religious grounds and medical reasons. Yeah, yeah, that was, and I don't mean to cut you off. I was going to ask you earlier on, we talking about these exemptions, and this is this is very serious. The the religious exception, okay, will will OSHA clarify that? Uh, is, is, is there any place that employers look to, to figure out how to, how to implement that kind of exception? Yes. 
So the, the religious exemptions are required under Title VII, um, and the medical exemptions are required under the ADA. And there is a very specific framework for how you have to consider um, those accommodation requests and how you engage in the interactive process with an employee, and then how you make decisions about whether to grant the accommodation um, or deny the accommodation. And what the OSHA large employer vaccine mandate will likely provide is that employers have to ensure that everyone is either vaccinated or tested. And if an employee needs an exemption from that requirement, the employer can and should consider all legally required exemption requests. And that would be those exemptions that might be available under the ADA and Title VII for religious reasons and medical reasons. Earlier this year, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, had issued very helpful guidance for employers who were voluntarily choosing to issue their own mandatory vaccine policies, separate and apart from what the federal government is now going to require. And the guidelines there for religious exemptions is that employers should interpret religion very broadly. Um, you have to have a sincerely held religious belief to be entitled to an accommodation. So the grounds on which an employer might choose to challenge a religious exemption would be to either say that the opposition is not actually religious in nature. It's just, you know, someone who has um, political opposition or is an anti-vaxxer. They have philosophical beliefs that aren't religious in nature or that it's not sincerely held. So we have a lot of employers that are receiving uh, you know, online membership cards to religions that have become available for a small fee um, and, you know, have never indicated any membership in a religion like this before, including many healthcare workers who have received plenty of other vaccines through their employer in in recent years, but now are, you know, citing a religious exemption. Aaron, um, I see you, oh, hold on just a second. I see you raised your virtual hand unless you just mistakenly hit that button. Okay. Is that the way you did it? Is that the way you did it? Like in uh, kindergarten, you put your hand up, please, please answer my question. I'm I'm being very orderly right now because I want to be respectful of Lindsay. Um, But uh, I guess my, 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 my question here is that, you know, we have seen some uh, healthcare systems, um, you know, uh, St. Luke's, one of them in, in, in the Philadelphia area. Uh, we have a few hospitals in the Ohio, um, in the in the state of Ohio, that are actually um, taking into account natural immunity uh, from, from COVID uh, and allowing uh, antibody tests, I suppose, for their employees that have already had COVID. Um, so these, these systems are, are looking at some innovative ways to kind of alleviate um, some things. Are we, are we seeing that, Lindsay, at other, with other areas, or are we not seeing that? Or are people talking about natural immunity? Are they not talking about it? Um, it's, it's one of those gray areas, I, I understand. Well, for, for the most part, what we've seen from the vaccine mandates is that for a, is that the qualifying medical reason exemption usually follows the guidelines of disability accommodations under the ADA. And typically when we would consider disability accommodations, the first assessment is does somebody have a qualifying disability and then looking at what restrictions that disability 
presents in terms of their performing their job and then how that can be accommodated. Um, and so, at, but for example, the federal contractor vaccine mandate has already explicitly said that follow the guidelines from the ADA, but we want you to interpret disability a little bit more broadly. It doesn't necessarily have to be a disability. It can be a medical condition, um, but we're still looking for medical conditions that prevent somebody from being able to get vaccinated. And the what the uh, OMB's FAQ section suggests that employers look to is the CDC's guidance on what is a contraindication to a COVID vaccine. And they, the, if you go to the CDC's website, they identify very specific things that are contraindications to the vaccine. Usually it's an allergy to a component of the vaccine. And it can't just be an allergy to a component of one of the vaccines. You have to have an allergy to a component of all of the vaccines, because if you can't get one, you should still be able to get the other and be in compliance with your employer's vaccine policy. Natural immunity is not identified by the CDC as a reason why you cannot get vaccinated. Now, there are certain scenarios in which the CDC will recommend that someone defer getting vaccinated if they've, re or if they've recently recovered from COVID-19, um, and that would be a partial exemption granted where you're not being excused from the vaccine mandate, but you're allowed to kind of defer your compliance with the employer's vaccine mandate. But to your point, you know, for employers who are really struggling, it ultimately depends on what the company's objectives are. There are some companies that their primary objective is to get everyone vaccinated. And so they are going to very closely scrutinize requests for exemptions to their vaccine mandate. There are other employers who they are very concerned about staffing shortages and their only goal is to do whatever they need to do to be in compliance with all applicable mandates. And they're not looking to do anything more strict than that. And if, if you fall into that latter bucket, then those employers I'm finding are generally granting exemptions pretty liberally. Um, and so if you, you know, in general, when you get a medical exemption request from an employee that has to be accompanied by a doctor's note, but, you know, some of these doctors note are very general where they will just say this individual has a medical condition that prevents them from getting vaccinated. And who knows what that underlying condition is. And maybe it is natural immunity that the doctor is referring to and employers will accept that. Or to your point, there are employers who have just decided that if they get a medical note citing natural immunity is the reason why someone need not get vaccinated or can't get vaccinated, they will just choose to accept that, whether it's, you know, a truly valid medical reason for not getting well, vaccinated it, or not. But Lindsay, Lindsay, it also seems like this is this is a terribly difficult thing to enforce, right? I mean, I I, I mean when we're talking about every business that has over 100 employees, as well as federal contractors, et cetera. This, this, the enforcement, we just don't have the enforcement capability in this country to, to, to do this, do we? I mean- 100%, and, and I think that has been true even at the state level where the first thing I'm hearing from businesses is they say, well, if I don't comply, what are the penalties and who's enforcing this? And what are the, what's the likelihood that anyone's going to enforce this? Because if you're telling me that I'm going to get hit, maybe potentially with a $1,000 fine for any employee that's not in compliance, I'm much more scared that I'm not going to be able to have, you know, caregivers serving patients or nurses in my hospitals. So I'm going to take that gamble. 
um, in terms of whether it's going to be enforced. And then even if it is enforced, I'll, I'll pay the penalty, but I can't have uh, my entire workforce walk out um, of the hospital. Um, and, you know, whether that's a reasonable approach to take, I, I don't know, but it's true that, you know, I think a lot of companies are struggling with this. The, Lindsay, this has truly been I'm sorry, Harry. I'm sorry. I just knew you had to ask one more question. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I knew I, you, I, could. No, you could. The, the, the only question I'm going to ask is, Lindsay, would you be willing to come on again? Because this is. Uh, There's no way she's going really to come is on top again, of Harry. <laughs> this is never and, happening. You know, and and quite frankly, Lindsay, would you be willing to replace Barry? No, no. But I mean, but in all honesty, it wouldn't, it um, wouldn't this, this has been truly fascinating. Um, and I, this is so top of mind for so many of our clients. Uh, this is really a paramount discussion. Um, and I think one that is not going to go away anytime soon. Barry, I'll turn it over to you. Sorry. No, I think so too. Um, and Lindsay, I, I assumed if we had an hour and a half, we could let you talk for an hour and a half. And we <laughs> hadn't even gotten to state law overlays, healthcare requirements. And so uh, I, I'd encourage anyone that has questions and would like to ask a really intelligent question to not send this one to Harry and Barry, to send it straight to uh, Lindsay uh, Lindsay Ryan uh, directly, and she promises to answer all questions, even though she's an attorney who normally bills by the hour. She will answer your questions without charge. So I just want to, I just want to. Oh, oh, you're, no, really, you're really going out on a limb there, Barry. I, 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 right? I, I you're going out on a limb there. Did you clear that with the uh, CFO? I, I don't know about that. Oh, oh well, you know, we'll try our best. All right, Lindsay, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, I think after OSHA, if you had to bet, uh, what what would you guess that we would see the OSHA rules uh, uh, come out? I would have expected it a couple of weeks ago. So at this point, I, I mean, I'm thinking no later than early November, but hopefully mm. earlier. So I'm, I'm going to make a bet. Can I make a bet? Yeah. Um, you know, this is just me being jaded because I've been in D.C. for as long as I have been all my life. You know, my entire life I've been here. And um, I just found it very interesting. The timing, the timing that this um, reg went to OMB, uh, the, the administration started getting some heat that, you know, we were operating under a press release and there was no executive order. Uh, and that was that was out there. And um then you had the Southwest debacle that happened. And, you know, some people say it was because of weather and because of other, you know, uh, problems. There's a lot of people that are saying it's because of the vaccine mandates that people just kind of did a sit in, didn't go, didn't go to work. Could I don't you know. Get what to the, your, the, could you get to your prediction so well, that you just don't talk? I just found it very interesting. I just found it very interesting from my perspective that this OSHA reg went to OMB the weekend after, the Monday after the Southwest debacle that happened. Uh, so I don't know how ready for prime time this OSHA reg really is. It could be, it was sent there as a signal that, hey, we're really serious about this, uh, but it might still be being worked on for all we know. We just Yeah, what a lot of what a lot of folks uh, uh, don't understand if you follow kind of federal rulemaking is that the agency 
that has drafted the rules actually has to send it over to the OMB. The OMB will review the rules and they actually have the ability and quite frequently do comment and send those comments back to the uh, to the agency that is uh, in the process of promulgating the rules. So I think, I think Harry, you must be right. There's got to be questions and concerns, and uh, uh, can, can, can you uh, say that's that again? Impact questions. Can, can you say that? Can you say that again, please? Can you say that again? Questions and concerns. That's not no. That before that, you said something else. I don't want to hear. I don't it recall again. what I said. What did I okay. say before? There you go, Harry. You were right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, yay. All right. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thanks uh, at this point in time, me. our producer who is actually located in Denver, uh, correct that she's just shaking her head. I wish you could, I wish you could actually watch this uh, uh, podcast live. Actually, probably not. But uh, 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 anyways, thank you, Sinead, also for keeping us on track. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Lindsay. When we return next week, this time on time, uh, we will have all the answers about the reconciliation bill, the infrastructure bill, and everything else going on on healthcare uh, with the scoop that Harry will have. Uh, everybody have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Lindsay. We want to remind listeners that the choice of a lawyer and lobbyist is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertising. The information and discussions in this podcast do not constitute legal advice and listeners should consult legal counsel regarding their specific subject matter. Thank you for listening to Inside Law, a podcast produced by Polsonelli.